You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Psychedelic Blues number two. This is the name of a film that I'm reviewing in today's 13th episode of Matt Loves Cameras. Do you like pre-exposed films or do you hate them? (laughs) Keep listening and find out what I think of this one. I'm Matt Murray and this is Matt Loves Cameras. my friends and welcome to another episode of Matt Loves Cameras. This is of course episode 13 of Matt Loves Cameras and I'm recording this on a weekend in June here in Brisbane. We've actually got a thunderstorm rolling in from the south which is uh, super unusual for this time of year. Usually in winter here in Brisbane, winter is very mild and we usually have a lot of sunshine and hardly any rain Um, but hopefully this thunderstorm uh, won't cause any power outages and, and stop today's recording. But just a quick recap, I'm Matt Murray, I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny, well, usually sunny, Brisbane in Australia. This podcast is all about analogue photography. In many episodes of the podcast, I will review a different film or instant camera, telling you about its history, its features, what it's like to use and what kind of photos you can expect from it. In other episodes of the podcast, like today's, I will chat about a particular topic in film photography, and today's episode is all about uh, Psych Blues Film. You can see the show notes for every episode of the show on my website, mattlovescameras.com, along with a select uh, band of the images on the show's Instagram, at mattlovescameras. So that was the sound of the Olympus Mu2, or the Olympus Stylus Epic, as it's known in America, which is very apt for this show, because uh, the Olympus Stylus Epic is the camera that I use to shoot this role of Psych Blues. Now, I'll just give you a quick overview of pre-exposed films again. So there are five brands that I know of, of pre-exposed films in the current market. Now, these are not new film manufacturers, but these people, these companies, they take existing film and they pre-expose them with color or effects so that you can achieve unique results when you shoot the film. So the five companies that I know of are Revlog, Yotica, Kono, Double, and uh, today's uh, company that I'm reviewing is Psych Blues. So uh, all of these films are regular 135 or 35mm film, and you develop them regularly in C41 development. Now, the film itself isn't that cheap, of course. Um, I guess because, you know, these people will be buying film direct from manufacturers like Kodak, and then they're spending a lot of time and effort getting the the effects on this film. So it just depends on the film. But, I mean, they can range from, you know, 8 to 15 US dollars, just depending on the film and whoever you're buying it from. So at the moment, uh, just looking on B&H New York, their website, a Psychedelic Blues 400 film is $9.99. And then going straight to the person who sells it, who is Dustin Adams, 
Uh, he is selling it on the website dustinadamsphoto.com. He's selling the film for eleven dollars. Um, but I guess you know if you are going to buy that, uh, all things being equal, you probably should buy it straight from Dustin uh, rather than going through a, a third party like B and H. So I guess the big question for many people is why would you choose to shoot with a pretty exposed film? For me, it's just a bit of fun. I usually uh, shoot uh, color print film or slide film as well. Um, occasionally shoot black and white, not that often. Um, but I guess with these color effects films, you know, it's just something different. There's these people out there producing this film. So I thought I'd grab a few of them to, uh, to shoot with. So you may remember that episode seven of Matt Loves Cameras, I shot with a Yotica film. Uh, in today's episode 13, I've got Psych Blues. And in a future episode, I have got a Revelog film to shoot as well. So they're just a bit of fun. Throw them in a camera, have a bit of fun, take some pics and see what they come out like. Um, I have used a Olympus Stylus Epic uh, for the uh, shooting of this film simply because I thought, well, you know what, if you're going to use a film that some people in the photography community will hate, you may as well use a camera that a lot of people in the uh, photography community hate, uh, and that's the, the Mew 2 or the Stylus Epic. Now, just in comparison to that uh, Yotica film that I shot, there's probably two main differences uh, between Psych Blues and the Yotica films. The first one is that the Yotica films have 36 exposures and the Psych Blues only has 24. And the other main difference is that the label on the Yotica film is covered up. Uh, sorry, covers up the DX code where the Psych Blues DX code is readable. So that is something you have to take into account. Now, you might remember from episode seven, if you've listened to episode seven, that I forgot about the whole DX code issue and I loaded the film with the DX code that was hidden on the Yataka roll. And with the absence of any uh, DX code showing on the roll of the film, uh, the Mewtwo or the Starless Epic said, hmm, don't know what this film is, I'll just rate it at 100. Now, because it was a 400-speed film, the Yotica, that actually meant that I shot the Yotica film in episode 7 two stops overexposed. Uh, but no such issue this time with Psych Blues, because Psych Blues has a DX code, it's a 400-rated film, so when I popped it in the old Mewtwo Stylus Epic, it went, yep, 400, no problem at all. Ooh, and the rain has just started to come down. It's got very dark outside. It's only four o'clock and it's it's really dark. I, I was actually going to go out today and finish off a couple of rolls at sunset, but uh, sunset's at five o'clock here in winter. And, uh, you know, it's just after four and it's not pitch black dark, but it's not far off. Uh, so hopefully, as I said, I'll, I can continue recording this episode and won't, won't get any power outages or anything from that, from the, the lightning. Okay, so I'll just give you a rundown about Psych Blues film. So this is a description from the website DustinAdamsPhoto.com. Dustin is, of course, the guy who uh, has come up with the recipe for this film, and he's the guy who creates it and sells it. So here we go. This is an experimental film. The effects on any pre-exposed film can be unpredictable, but I have put many hours of research and development into the roles I make and believe they're consistent enough to sell. This film can definitely enhance your images, but it can also yield undesirable results depending on your tastes and preferences. All films are colour negative film, C41, and can be developed by any photo lab who processes colour film. 
So by looking at the, the Psych Blues film shop on dustamsphoto.com, it looks like there's different sort of iterations of the Psych Blues film or different sort of batches with different color effects. So there's uh, Psych Blues 2, 3, 4 and 5. All of them on the website at the moment are sold out. Uh, so maybe um, you'd, ha you'd actually have to go, holy, holy crap, did you hear that? That was a massive big thing of lightning there. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so Psych Blues film is sold out on DustinAdamsPhoto.com at the moment, so you might actually have to get it through B&H or somewhere like that if you want to get hold of this. So I just had to have a look at the, the film canister that I've got here. Um, so, sorry, the film case. Usually when I get my film developed, I ask for the, the, the film canister back, and I keep them on a little shelf here of all the films I've shot. I actually forgot with the Psych Blues, and I'm really annoyed at myself, but I have got the, the film case, you know, with the cap on, that um, it's got a film blues uh, psych blues sticker and I can tell from this that uh, it's actually film number two that I bought from B&H last year uh, and yeah it's tw 24 exposures ISO 400 uh, so that's the, the the variety that I had I had psych blues number two so also on Dustin's website there is a uh, explanation or a description of psych psychedelic blues number two so Psychedelic Blues number two is hand-fogged with various sources of light. A red-orange fade comes from the top on the negative and a green fade from the bottom. Since this is done by hand, these colours can vary slightly. There is also a prism burst on frame 12. It's actually quite interesting because I found out with my film it was actually the reverse. So I've actually got the green colours on the top of the film and uh, I've got the red-orange on the bottom, so I wonder why that is. So you guys can probably hear now, it's absolutely hammering down outside. Uh, typical, uh, I was actually worried today, you know, about noise in the street when I was recording this podcast, about, you know, if there's any cars or anything going past, or people mowing the lawn, but uh, I've just got to compete with Mother Nature here today. out the show notes at mattlovescameras.com if you're on instagram come say hi at mattlovescameras or if you fancy getting in touch drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com Ah, that's a bit better. The The rain has eased off. Uh, I think there's no way in the world I'll be out today to take some photos. And uh, I think Marshall Dalmatian in the background is secretly looking out the window wondering if he's going to get a walk today. Uh, but he will, he will. We'll wait till it uh, gets a little bit less rainy and we'll, we'll go out. So on with the psych blues. So I guess really now uh, I've sort of spoken about uh, about pre-exposed films, uh, talked about why you'd want to shoot them, the different ones in the marketplace, and we've spoken specifically about Psych Blues and Psych Blues number two. So let's talk now about the images. So the first photo loaded up on the show notes at mattlovescameras.com is an image of my daughter at the shops. Uh, this is probably my favorite image in the role, uh, not just because, of course, my beautiful daughter's there, but I think this is uh, kind of what the film, to me, should be used for. Things like, you know, close-ups of people, and uh, you've got the really cool sort of color effects going on. She was uh, leaning against like a quite dark sort of blue dark wall and I really like the effect this has had. Uh, so yeah, I really like this image. 
The next one down is of a, a cityscape. It's the William Jolly Bridge in Brisbane, in the uh, spanning the Brisbane River, and you can actually see there um, the, the shadows under the bridge are actually quite red. So yeah, the, the shadows are red in this film, and um, you know it's got the the green at the top there and the yellow red at the bottom. Another thing to add is that uh, the prison burst that they mention uh, is present on frame 12. I couldn't actually see anywhere on the whole roll. Uh, I checked frame 11, 12, 13, and I, I didn't see a prison burst, so I don't know what was going on with that. Um, there you go. The next one down on the show notes is an, a cinema sign in Elizabeth Street in Brisbane, and there's some you know red-yellow action with the green at the top there. The next one down is a Vespa scooter, and I quite like this one. Uh, the Vespa is beautiful, bright red, and uh, it's nice, uh, you know, pretty nicely sharp, taken by the Mewtwo. It's a nice, sharp photo there, and it's got the really cool sort of yellow effects at the bottom with some yellowy green at the top there. The next two images were taken, they're a little bit different. They were taken outside the Treasury Hotel in the center of Brisbane. And they're not, I guess the effects aren't quite as full on as some of the other frames. Uh, maybe because it was quite bright, I don't know. The main effect in both of them is the yellow streak at the bottom. Uh, one of them has a bit of a, a aquary green streak at the top. And the other one, it kind of just blends into the sky. The next two below this, though, the colours are back with a vengeance. So I actually saw a Ford Mustang for sale. And uh, again, I quite like these photos. I think it works well with sort of close-ups. So the first one is the, uh, the front of the Ford Mustang looking down the side. And the second photo is the rear door and the rear wheel of the Ford Mustang. And yeah, I quite like these photos as well. So that's the, the eight photos of the Psychedelic Blues number two film uh, described for you. And uh, yeah, get along to the, the show notes at Matt Loves... Lo- no, I can't speak. <laughs> get along to the show notes at mattlovescameras.com or check out some of the images I'll put up on the Instagram at mattlovescameras. So what is my verdict on Psychedelic Blues film number two? Uh, look, I quite like shooting with it. It was a bit of fun. Uh, the Starless Epic, of course, takes up no room in my bag, so I just took it with me everywhere and took a few random shots. I think on some shots, uh, especially sort of for cityscape or landscape shots, the effects are a little bit over the top and not something I would typically shoot uh, landscapes or cityscapes with. I think if I did shoot another roll of it, I would mainly use it for people. And I think it's really fun for that. And I think the image of my daughter there, I really like that one. And I think it could be a really fun kind of film that you'd shoot at a party or, or you know, if you're out with a group of friends doing a photo walk or something like that. Uh, if I shot it again, I'd also be tempted to overexpose it by a stop. Now, of course, I can't do that with the Mewtwo Stylus Epic, um, but if I shot it in a camera where I could rate it maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe at ISO 200, uh, you know, I'd think about doing that just to lessen the effects of the film on some of the shots. Um, but look, I really did um, like using the film. I had a look at a lot of the shots taken on Instagram with the film uh, using, you know, psychedelic blues hashtag or psych blues hashtag. And uh, a lot of them, a lot of the effects don't seem to be as strong as the effects I got. Uh, And I'm not sure why that is. 
So I do have more film reviews coming up. Uh, some of them will be sort of regular films, not pre-exposed films. So uh, stay tuned for those. I have a review coming up very soon of Ektachrome, which of course has been out for a long time now. But uh, these are the images that I've shot on Ektachrome over two rolls. And I've also got a roll of Retrochrome, which is a roll of film that I got from the film photography shop, or film photography podcast store, sorry. Uh, Michael Razzo, of course, and his team uh, sell some wonderful, wonderful stuff in their shop. So don't forget to check that out. And I'm really looking forward to getting the results back. And hopefully they'll be good enough to share with you in an episode of Matt Loves Cameras. So just to finish off the show, I'm going to read out some exchanges I've had with a listener of the podcast. This is from Alan Daly in England. And Alan was uh, lovely enough to write to me and sort of give me some more background information about one of my episodes. So he starts off the first email by saying, Hi Matt, I have just listened to your podcast, episode 5, featuring the Polaroid 680, as I have reawakened my interest in Polaroid cameras. So Alan goes on to explain that he was a Polaroid sales rep in the UK in the 1980s. I joined Polaroid in June 1981 in England as a young 20-year-old sales rep. In the UK, we had a sales team which sold the SX70 and the 600 cameras and film together with the company's sunglasses. We were based out of St Albans in Hertfordshire in England, and there was a factory producing product which I visited on occasion just outside Glasgow in Scotland. There was a smaller team, business and professional division, who sold the passport cameras and some professional models, but the bulk of the UK business was in consumer photographic division. Alan explains that uh, just after he joined Polaroid, he actually got a nice little trip to Malta in the Mediterranean. Uh, So he explains that from the 17th to the 19th of August 1981, we attended a Polaroid sales conference in Malta where the company launched the 600 series of film and cameras. And besides being a nice little uh, junket for the sales team, there was a reason behind why they launched it in Malta, in sunny Malta. Alan continues, part of the reasoning, apart from the treat for the sales team, was of course to show us that the pictures could be taken and placed straight onto a table in the bright sunshine and it would not affect the picture quality one bit. And uh, Alan points out, of course, that how things have turned around these days with, of course, uh, the impossible Polaroid Originals film. Uh, You know, you have to shield the film. You should use a frog tongue on your camera and you have to uh, shield it for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes uh, so that the the image develops okay. So things have changed quite a lot since the 1980s. 80s, uh, sadly. Alan also uh, confirms that there wasn't much different about the SE version of the, the camera. Um, he confirms that it was indeed a marketing exercise. Now, what I knew about the, the special edition of the Polaroid SLR 680 was that consumers received like a, a pack of vouchers and if they took, you know, bad photos they didn't like, they could send this back to Polaroid and Polaroid would send them fresh film so they could take better photos uh, and that, so they wouldn't be, you know, um, you know, wasted their money on the film. Uh, it was kind of a guarantee to taking good pictures. But Alan explains it from the Polaroid side like this. The SE models were a marketing exercise to increase sales. 
In the UK, we attempted to sell our cameras to every man and his dog. Large retail chains, chemists, newsagents, stationers, photography shops, etc. However, the more specialist photography retailers needed to have a reason to sell them, so the SE models were created and offered to them. The professional camera retailers would say, well, why should I buy Polaroid stock when the chemist several doors down is also selling them? So that is, you know, the reasoning why the special edition camera ranges were created. It was only to give the uh, camera outlets a point of sales difference. Alan attached some lovely photos uh, to the emails he sent to me, um, some showing some of the celebrities that Polaroid sort of wheeled out uh, to, to to flog their, their cameras and film. So in one of them is a lovely stand set up at a uh, trade show, and um, there's no celebrities here in person, but if you have a look at the sales and marketing um, collateral, you can see Fozzie Bear from the Muppets, and he's uh, eagerly looking at his uh, picture that he's just taken using Polaroid's button camera. And also in some smaller advertising, you can also see Miss Piggy and Kermit uh, at the back of the stand there. And also Gonzo makes an appearance on the far left uh, on one of the little stands there. Now, if you look at this image, and with Alan's permission, I'm going to put it on the show notes. Uh, on the bottom right, I think, I believe it is, there is a transparent 660 camera. So a see-through Polaroid 660 camera. Uh, and this is what Alan has to say about this. If you notice on the display at the right-hand side, there is a transparent 660 camera, which was a great talking point. I'm guessing because you'd be able to see all the inner workings of the camera and see exactly what's happening when you press that button and how that uh, beautiful Polaroid image comes out. Sadly, in the late 1980s, I gave it away. How little did I realize how collectible it would be. Wow, wouldn't you love to be given that, a transparent 660 Polaroid camera? Uh, I didn't even know these were out there, so that is a, a fascinating bit of information, and I bet uh, I bet Alan wishes he held on to that one. Now, some celebrities that were wheeled out by Polaroid uh, to increase sales that Alan has pictures of. One of them is a chap called Darth Vader. Yes, indeed, there's a picture of Darth Vader on the Polaroid stand there at a regional trade show. Um, so come across to the dark side and, and start, or maybe maybe come across to the dark slide. Ha, 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 you see what I did there? Come across to the dark side and uh, start shooting Polaroid. And another of the people in the images here uh, is James Hunt, the Formula One world champion. Uh, so that's amazing. And Alan actually took the picture of James Hunt that he's included in his email. Alan also talks about how much stock that sales reps would have. So reading from his email, this is what he says. We had so much film and cameras to play with and give away. It was incredible. In my car, I would always have six to eight cases of film, probably 30 to 40 of packs of film per case, and as much again in the garage. My neighbours loved me as I gave them cameras and film sometimes just to get rid of the stock. Wow, wouldn't you love to have a neighbour like Alan? Uh, so I'm going to include some of the images that Alan has kindly sent me on the show notes and it kind of rounds off um, one of the emails actually the second email he says that he actually he confirms that in between the first and second email he bought an F a 680 SE camera uh, which is fantastic and rounding off the third email he says 
Now I need to start taking instant pictures again after 30 years with my new 680SE. Haha, <laughs> I blame you. Uh, well, that's a lovely, lovely series of emails from Alan. Uh, I really, really appreciate all the extra information and really appreciate your time in uh, in writing to me and telling me all that extra info and writing into the show. And um, you know, it's great to, to find these people all around the world who uh, have the same passions as us. And of course, I have no history of working for Polaroid, sadly, or anything like that, but um, it's just fascinating hearing stories like this. So thank you so much to Alan Daly. Speaking of Polaroid, I had quite a few uh, little messages here and there from people both on uh, Instagram, Facebook, all sorts of things. Uh, just people saying that they really enjoyed the Polaroid SX70 episode, which of course was episode number 12. Uh, there was a lot of research that went into that. Um, it took me forever to sort of um, write the notes and record that. So I'm really glad you guys liked it. Um, so not every episode of Matt Loves Cameras will be a huge historical overview like that one. Of course, today's episode is going to be pretty short. And I've got some other sort of short episodes coming up. So uh, I hope you like um, the mix and match of episodes. There will definitely be some more camera reviews soon. Well, it's hard to say, camera reviews. Um, but uh, they take a little bit longer because I do like to to give the cameras a good run, shoot a few rolls of film with them and give you a good overview. But don't worry, the camera reviews are definitely coming very soon. So on various iTunes uh, stores around the world, or Apple Podcasts now I think it's called, I've been lucky enough to have some good ratings. So I've, I've got uh, four five-star ratings on the Australian store. On the US store, I've only got one five-star rating. Well, I've only got one rating at all, but it's five-star. And there's a lovely review here. I'm going to read out to you uh, from someone in the United States. It's MapGuy42, and this was made on the 12th of May. Uh, and he's put the review title five stars out of five stars and he's called it fun and accessible if you're interested in film photography but don't want to wade through a lot of jargon photography culture and led folks who are just too cool for school i don't know what and led means i I'm better look that up give matt a try Here's a guy who is clearly passionate about photography, relating his adventures with his family, an assortment of cameras both high, for their day, and low end. <laughs> I find it super accessible and a great re-entry into film photography for me. And I'll bet you will too. Matt Loves Cameras is fun, family-friendly, and at the time of writing, it's early days, so it's a great time to subscribe, and I look forward to what comes next. So thank you so much to MapGuy42 uh, on the Apple Podcast review. I really appreciate your five-star review and the very kind words. That's it for episode 13 of Matt Loves Cameras. Speaking of Apple Podcasts or any any podcast app, make sure you subscribe to Matt Loves Cameras on your app because, you know, episodes of this show are a bit like buses. You know, you're waiting around forever for ones to come along and then two or three come along in a row. <laughs> so uh, make sure you subscribe. I've got more episodes coming up very soon and I would love you to uh, be a regular listener. If you have any feedback i'd love to hear from you you can email mattlovescameras at gmail.com or you can send me a uh, direct message on instagram at mattlovescameras that's all for this week i'll be back very soon take care cheerio bye-bye
Music in the show is on a Creative Commons license. The End by Cassie. Soundcloud.com forward slash Cassie NMZ. Check the show notes for the link.